like, wow, like, hello, what? Whatever it is, I'm liking it. Well, hello there, and welcome to Podventure Time, which, of course, is the show where I, Pat, get my friend Ben, who will talk in just a second as soon as I stop filibustering, hello. to watch a show called Adventure Time. And I'm I still am... here. Oh, hey, Ben. Uh, you a fan of Adventure Time yet? Still uh, going to be? Yeah, on my way. I'm sure I'm on my way. It's a fun journey either way. All right. So what is it that we're doing again here? Uh, you make me watch Adventure Time, and then you make me talk about it. Yeah, that's what we do. We yeah. we look, we dig real deep into a kid's cartoon show. Although I have to say, as we get further and further through season two, there are uh, more and more episodes that seem like they aren't they aren't really uh, straight up kids episodes anymore. And I kind of think we've got a couple this week that are that are like that. Yeah. Might as well just go ahead and get started. Let's We're going to talk about. Season 2, Episodes 9 and 10. So let's just start with Season 2, Episode 9. That episode is called The Other Tarts. Ben, why don't you fill us in on what happens there? All right, so The Other Tarts, this is an episode in which uh, we have a episode with Princess Bubblegum. PB's back. Yeah, PB's back. Yeah, and we are thrust into the action with PB describing the most delicious... Flavor in the universe, in the in the land of ooh. And yeah, it, I think it, it might even go beyond ooh because the first shot, as I recall, is sort of floating through the cosmos. Yeah. And there are various uh, sweets and pastries that fly by, but none of them match the royal tart. The royal tart is described as the most perfect flavor in all of ooh and perhaps the galaxy. And it's only eaten... At a certain festival every year, the the annual back rub festival? Is it just a back rub festival? Yeah, remember. as far as I know, it's just yeah. the back rub festival and for whatever reason it takes place in a takes place in a uh, place called Congress. Yes. Uh, it is a back rub festival taking place at Congress and they eat tarts and it's described that these royal tarts that are served at this one time of year are so perfect and so delicious that People would kill would just for just one bite. And therefore, the transporting of the royal tarts is of the utmost security need and is only, right. is only entrusted to the royal tart toter. Is that the guy's name? Yeah, the tart toter. The tart toter. He's a sentient gingerbread man. Yeah, and as... as... PB introduces him to Finn and Jake, or at least a photograph of him. He looks real great and and majestic, and Jake says, he's magnificent. Yeah. But it turns out that uh, the tart toter can't tote tarts totally anymore. Yeah, and I'm glad that you already got in on the alliteration game, because this whole episode, one of the whole gags is just how many... How many pieces, how many uh, little bits of wordplay can we throw into this one episode? Which, and I'm way into that, of yeah, course. Yeah. So uh, the Royal Tart Toter is is totally bonkers, apparently. He has passed his prime. He's jumped the shark. Uh, PB no longer trusts him because he is batshit crazy. So instead, PB has asked our heroes, Jake and Finn, to take his place and be the official Tart Toter. 
yeah, this is just the type of adventure that Finn and Jake are looking for. Yeah, obviously. this is this it's, is a perfect setup. This is this couldn't be better. A royal quest. Finn is into this stuff. Yep, that is right. I don't know if you know Finn, but he is into this stuff. So PB, it kind of explains that although the route between the Tart Factory and the and Congress is quite safe. You know, you still need to keep an eye out for thieves because they'll do anything to get just one taste of a tart. Even if we didn't need any more drama or any more stakes in this episode, there's even heightened, further heightened stakes because PB says if the royal tarts do not arrive at the Back Rub Festival on time, she will be decapitated. Yeah. What she actually says is they'll decapitate my head. And I haven't looked in my usage book, but I'm not sure that that's the proper uh, the proper use of that word. I, I think that she will it's be perhaps de- a bit redundant. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. like I was defenestrated through the window. Yeah. Uh, Sorry to nitpick, PB. I hope that you don't come after me with your paralyzing potion, which is kind of the next little plot point. Well, before let's let's talk about things that would annoy us, maybe in ways people talk. The, it reminds me of the decapitate my head is like verb, it's like incorrectly verbing that word sort of. And I think uh, the, the one that it reminds me of is uh, in professional American football when they describe how many passes someone has defensed. Ah, uh, yes. How many, it's a stat and it just drives me crazy. It's yeah. It's passes defended first of all, and I don't know that you even need to say passes. It's just like, I don't know. It's just it just drives me up and off the wall. So, yeah. Well, as Calvin would say, verbing words weirds language. That is true. All right. Uh, back to the story. We have we have a we have a quest. We have stakes. We have everything that Jake and Finn could ask for, and so they set off. But, but they don't just set off. They don't. Because I, Finn decides that instead of just heading off on the quest to which he's been assigned, he's yep. going to come up with a brilliant plan. Right. And that plan involves taking some of the imperfect tarts that have rolled off the assembly line and packing them into one of the tart-toting uh, anti-gravity backpacks and pouring some of Princess Bubblegum's permanently... <laughs> Man, I'm super self-conscious about alliteration now, but it's permanently paralyzing potion uh, that she has just laying around the tarts, of course. Right. And so they poison a batch of tarts, and they hand that to Cinnamon Bun, who PB has already said is not the appropriate tart toter because he's half-baked. But they figure, or Finn, they sh- not they, this is all Finn's idea. Half-baked. Finn Word figures play. if they give Cinnamon Bun the poisoned tarts and send him down the safe path then they'll be able to sneak through the more dangerous path unimpeded because all the thieves will be going after cinnamon bun and his paralyzing tarts yeah, i mean at the surface it's a classic decoy move and it might work right yeah i i suppose it could work but finn not only launches what is a questionable plan but his implementation is terrible. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, before we leave the tart factory, 
you mentioned that there is paralyzing poison just kind of laying around in the same factory. Do you think like uh, do you think like with food labels they have to let you know that like things were made in a factory that contained peanuts that they also have to label the royal tarts <laughs> that like this was made in a factory containing paralyzing poison? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't good... know what the I don't know what the food regulations are in the land of ooh or anything like that. But yeah, uh, well, frankly, you know, PB probably is in charge of them. I I get the impression she's sort of a one woman administrative state. So if she wants to keep her paralyzing potion next to her royal tarts, that's her prerogative as yeah. monarch. Yeah, I I have to say I think I think the <laughs> I think the uh, the Department of Health grade for the tart factory is it. At least a B for having part having paralyzing potion on the same work surface. Yeah, it's food. not the safest thing, and we get yeah. a little glimpse of the of this dark side of PB that we've seen come out before. She's, yeah, she kind of when as she's describing the paralyzing potion, she sort of starts to giggle and tent her fingers, almost like she's Mister Burns or something. Yeah, so she has a created a paralyzing potion, and B appears to have some kind of use in mind that she just can't wait to put it to. So I'm not sure what PB's up to here, but, you know, no one creates a paralyzing potion, I don't think, without malice towards someone. It may be an evil someone, but she's she's after somebody. Yeah, and Finn has never seen a potion that he didn't want to pour on or pour on something or drink, so he goes ahead and decides to make it a crucial, integral part of his plan. Right. So we do have, what we have is a... Uh, We've got a decoy running off in one direction, cinnamon bun carrying the paralyzed tarts. Yeah, hey, what'd you think of cinnamon bun? We met him last time, but uh, he actually gets to show off his half-bakedness in this episode. He is, uh, he's a wild guy. (laughs) (laughs) He is, uh, I laughed. I thought, I think, I think cinnamon bun's funny. Yeah, cinnamon, cinnamon bun's great. So, uh, we've sent cinnamon bun off (laughs) on his, on his path. And Finn and Jake go off toward the danger, the danger desert. It's not the danger desert. Something like the desert of despair, something like that, right? Yeah, it's it's the DD. We'll call it. Yeah, another alliteration. And the the logic being, every no one would expect, no one would think that someone was foolish enough to go through the danger desert, the DD, right. and therefore there won't be any danger there because all of the thieves. It's we're playing reverse reverse psychology, perhaps, or is it like some kind of double reverse psychology here that uh, the thieves would never be in the danger desert because they would never they know that no one's stupid enough to go through the danger desert. And hence, the danger desert should be without danger. Yes, the danger desert, in fact, is should be the safest place because no thieves would expect that Finn and Jake would be silly enough I'll, I'll just use the word silly enough to try to tote the tarts through the danger desert but unfortunately well you know what frankly there aren't any thieves uh in the danger desert until finn makes thieves out of the first group of individuals that they run into and who are those guys uh it's a group of hobos uh, yeah essentially different animals can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I, they're, they're weird looking, sort of pointy nosed. They're almost like spy versus spy looking kind of guys. And then there's uh-huh. a computer 
yeah. fucking one. Yes. And uh, and and Finn declares them dirty thieves, and Jake says, "No, I, I think they're just dirty hobos." <laughs> yep, that's right. So Finn sees thieves where he should really just see poverty, which is a little bit uh, profiling of him. And yeah, and and I, I I'm not a big fan of the word hobo, except that it it's kind of funny, and this. This is sort of an instance of uh, kind of an old timey hobo situation. I really, I love where the one the one guy is is roasting a single bean over the campfire, and yeah. they say D- don't don't burn it. And he says, "Hush, I ain't gonna burn it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Finn and Jake basically ambush these guys. Finn mostly, and. Finn believing that he's being proactive because he's identified these these yeah. people as thieves, and so uh, rather than sneak around them, and or... rarely rarely is a preemptive strike justified, and they he sneak instead of he sneaks around them and they they jump out, and scare the scare the bejesus out of these people. Yeah, Jake turns into sort of a gut grinder type creature. Yeah, scary monster, which just freaks them out. And then and they said, don't hurt us, don't hurt us. And he said, you know, well, of course we're going to hurt you. You're just dirty tart thieves, which alerts these hobos to the presence of tarts. Yeah, I think what, what Finn says is, don't you even think about stealing our tarts or else this guy's going to come mess you up or something like that. And, and then they go, you got, you, you got tarts? You got tarts? Yeah, <laughs> just, they just told these people who are clearly hungry that they have food. And so now... Now they've made themselves a target, and the computer-looking... target. Indeed. Count we continue right on down that road today, Ben, Count if I can. No, no, it's on the board, and uh, score one. One to zero. <laughs> uh, so the, the computer-looking one decide, sneaks on over and steals about half the tarts out of the, out of the bag. Yeah, and so Finn now, and Jake are hollering and yelling and trying to intimidate him, but the computer guy, he notices an opportunity when he sees it and sneaks over, and yeah, he gets five or six of the tarts. And then has rocket boosters, miraculously, and flies off with them. And all of the... Yeah, they're, they're gone. Those, those, those tarts are, are no more. Totally. So, now Finn has to deal with the consequences that, in fact, he has to, has to question his plan, frankly. He has to say... Have I, am I wrong? Have, was my, was my perfect plan not perfect after all? Yeah, he, he does a little, he does a little bit of questioning of his plan and then he gets a uh, confidence there. Yeah. He, uh, he gets a, an unexpected communique from a pendant around his neck. Yeah. Prince PB has left him with a, a holographic communication device just to check on him. Cause I, I get the sense that PB doesn't fully trust Finn. I think she sees Finn for who he is a little bit. In yes. That, that he is not the most reliable of champions. He's certainly the most passionate, but maybe not the most reliable. Yes, I think Finn is useful as far as he goes, but PB realizes that entrusting him with the most valuable pastry in the universe could be slightly de- uh, dangerous. Some oversight might be necessary. So she's left him with a communication device uh, where she can Which holler. he appears not to know about. Right. He knows that he had the pendant. She gave him the pendant, I think, under the pretense that it contained a holographic map for them to follow. That's right. So 
the fact that it is also a surveillance device surprises Finn. And she just checks in, you know, how's it going? How the tart's doing? Finn is struck dumb with fear because he realizes that he has uh, failed her. And so he is, he's basically unable to come to terms with that and can't speak. But Jake, who has no problem with failure and or any kind of trickery. He's a smooth talker. He's a smooth talker. Just, just takes the opportunity to say, hey, 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 PB, everything's great. Everything's okay. Don't worry about it. We're, we get all the tarts. We'll see you soon. And then Finn, Finn ends the communication by looking up at the sky and says, oh, God, there's something eclipsing the sun. It's so dark here. And then he crams the, crams the, the uh, pendant up under his hat. And yeah. that, that does it for, for that conversation with PB. And so our, our heroes continue on. They're down a few tarts, but Finn actually starts to think that, you know, that was probably a pretty good idea. It kind of woke me up to the, to the dangers that we're facing here and... I think we're going to be more careful from now on. So, you know, that, that computer guy stole a few tarts, but that's probably for the best. That's right. Finn is really trying to talk himself into believing his own hype here. Yeah. Yep. The The plan is still perfect in his mind. And, and Jake is a just a shameless enabler of Finn in this episode. Yep. So they head on down the road, down the desert road, that is, and they come upon cave and yeah and Finn. now now before they get to the cave i i have to point out that one of my favorite visual gags is them walking through the desert and jake has stretched his head into the shape of an umbrella <laughs> which i i just i just love him like using his own body to shield his body from the sun and then if you look real closely when they walk, they sort of walk through like a skeleton or a big like dinosaur skull or something. As they're walking through that and they're in the shade, Finn, uh, Jake still has an umbrella. Man, now nah, I'm mixing up Finn and Jake. I'm catching oh, your disease. Yeah, don't worry about it. They're the same, they're the same character. <laughs> As they're walking through this skull and they're in the shade, if you look real close, Jake actually closes the umbrella. <laughs> he leaves it above his head but just folds it down and they go back out in the sun and he pops it open again. I that visual gag just does it for me, man. I have to watch again. I didn't notice it, but now I want to see it. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. All right, so we get to the cave. We get to a cave, and again with a bit of uh, double reverse psychology, real strategery. Finn decides, hey, no, again, no one would expect us to go through this scary cave. No, therefore, thief. therefore, we should go through the scary cave. Yeah, no thieves. No thieves will be inside. And uh, inside the cave, it's pitch black. And we get to my favorite gag of the, of the episode in which they're walking in perfect darkness. You can see their little eyeballs just so we can kind of tell the audience can tell where they're at. Uh, Classic cartoon move, which I love. Yep. Uh, and then Finn asks Jake, hey, <laughs> did you just sniff my butt? And Jake responds, just now? Oh, yeah. I, I had that. that joke written down as well. <laughs> I love that line because it clearly happens other times then. No, not just now. That wasn't me this time is essentially what we got. I uh, love it. And then, uh, it, and then uh, we, have a, we have a sort of a book ending joke where I think Jake asks Finn, like, did you just lick me? 
And yeah, did you just lick my arm? And of course, Finn has not licked Jake's arm. So Finn starts to suspect something, and Jake hands him a match, which he strikes. And we see sort of a horde of, I don't know if they're zombies or just sort of underground dwellers. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they're they not friendly. Underground and, evil. Uh, yeah, they're not friendly, and, and they get they get their hands on a few tarts as well, don't they? Yeah, well, Finn and Jake just essentially... The next thing we see is Finn and Jake getting ejected out of the other side of the cave. Yeah, tumbling out. And they are down to maybe one or two tarts left. Maybe even all the tarts are gone now? I can't remember. Oh, no, yeah. Th- th- there are two tarts left, I believe, because a <laughs> very special character comes along and relieves them of the final two tarts and that's a butterfly with a laser gun yep <laughs> look out man that guy's got a laser gun <laughs> so before they can even collect their thoughts after getting attacked by the evil inside the cave they get they they really get attacked by the an actual thief it's the only real thief that they encounter and it's a butterfly with a laser yeah, he's gun. the only one who appears to have any sort of actual plan to steal anything. Right. And so they are tartless, and now Finn panics because, if we remember the stakes, if they do not arrive with the tarts, PB will be killed. Yeah, Finn at this point realizes that his plan was not the best, and in a line where I thought, okay... Maybe we're we're not watching such a kid's show anymore. He he explains that, you know, I, I just wanted to to get the tarts there, but my, my hubris got in the way. Hubris. And uh, uh, I'm I'm almost certain it's pronounced hubris, at least that's how I've always heard it pronounced. Oh, certainly. But, certainly. but uh, a, a a child show using the word hubris and really in exactly the correct context to me is pretty awesome. Yeah, I liked it. It actually reminded me of my own childhood of like mispronouncing words uh, that yeah. I had that I had seen written, and I kind of and if I heard it, I knew what it meant. But then when I saw it written, I didn't realize what I was reading. And so, the, yeah. I, so there was a few. Um, so there's like a comic book or a cartoon phrase, like when someone says "I don't know," and they write it as like "I D U N N O," and. I would say that out like in my head, I was just like, I do know, like as, like a word, <laughs> and in context, I still kind of understood what they meant. But I was like, what's this? What is this phrase? I do know, like I don't know. Uh, yeah, I had a I had a similar experience when we read. I believe it's called Zelata's Diary, the diary of the little girl who's living in I think Sarajevo as it's being ruthlessly shelled by. Um, I, I I confess ignorance whether it's the Serbs or the Croats or whoever is besieging Sarajevo, but Zelata is writing in her diary and she closes every episode with with Chow, which of course is spelled C I A O. And every time I read that, I thought it was C A O. I thought it was just sort of a nice little goodbye. Oh, C A O. I have uh, I have coworkers who will write emails, and I don't know if this happens to you, where they won't write a sub. They'll just write a subject, like it's such a short line, short such a short message that they just yeah. write a subject line and then no body. But what they'll do is they'll it'll be like some line like I'm out of office today, and then they'll do E O M end of message at the inside the subject line, so that um, you know yeah. not to read it, and that you don't have to even open it. Um, 
And for a while, I read that phonetically as Eom, <laughs> as like some sort of like sign off sound. Eom. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. And again, contextually, I was like, it just means goodbye, but I don't understand. Eom. Yeah, that's one of those really terrifying things is, is you grow up thinking that things are a certain way and then all of a sudden you're in public and you have, you've been saying words wrong. I don't know if you saw the whole, I don't remember where it was on the internet. There's a whole story about the poop knife. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, I'm aware of the so, story. Yeah, anyway, so we went from hubris to poop knife, but... Uh, bring it on back. Anyway. Bring it, bring it on back. Yeah, okay. The, the, uh, so we... Finn and Jake are... Finn is panicking. Uh, he has realized the hubris of his, of his plan, and it has been his downfall. It's a, cra- it's a classic tragedy, essentially. He's been undone by his hubris. And... In the middle of his panic, Jake comes up with a plan and says, don't worry, Jake, ever the calm, collected one in the face of danger. Just take it easy, man. Take it easy, man. Just take a break. And we can can still save this. All we have to do now is go to the Congress, and we just need to bust in there and stop whomever's going to decapitate PB and just beat the crap out of them. And quite frankly, this is the type of thing that Finn has been looking for the entire time. Yeah. I think that Finn's plan was motivated by a desire to have an exciting quest. Yep. And now he's got one. So they got to rush into Congress and save PB before her head is decapitated. And uh, at about this time, I think they also worry or think about their decoy. Uh Cinnamon bun. They kind of have a. They kind of think about, man. If we're having such trouble here, just think about what must be happening to Cinnamon Bun. Yeah, boy, it's got to be rough for him if if even Finn and Jake can't carry the tarts. Right, and then we get a then we get a funny cutaway to Cinnamon Bun, who took the original path that was suggested by PB, which is essentially a hermetically sealed tube that has guards every four feet. And who are offering, each guard offers to carry the bag for Cinnamon Bun. So it's just basically Cinnamon Bun whistling to himself as he walks down the, down the pathway with someone else carrying the tarts for him. It's, yeah, it's, and they say, may I hold that for you, sir? Yep. Okay. May I hold that for you, sir? Okay. And Cinnamon Bun marches along to the beat and whistles. And yep. It's a, it's a sweet gig. Yeah. Seems like uh, if, if they just would have listened to PB, then they would have had no trouble delivering the tarts. Yep. So we get to the end. Uh, we finally get to the end of the episode in which Finn and Jake burst into the back rub ceremony, the back rub festival, and are afraid that they have gotten there too late because they see PB about to eat a tart, and they realize. Well, no, she is. She's actually bent over, and there is a member of Congress who are all sort of these little oh, hot right. dog guys with things on their heads. They're like. Right. Teletubby hot dogs. And he has an axe raised as PB is bent over, but turns out that he was just chopping a tart. That's right. He's chopping a tart in half, which is a relief. But then PB is about to take a bite of the tart, and then they remember that the, the tarts that Cinnamon Bun delivered were poisoned with paral- paralysis potion. And no matter, and even though uh, Finn and Jake try to intervene, eventually PB does take a bite of one of these tarts, and nothing happens. 
Well, something happens. She well, winds up with sort of enormous pupilless eyes and she's drooling, which makes Finn think that the princess has been paralyzed. But she says, I'm not paralyzed. I'm just caught up in the flavor. It's, uh, it's, it, the tarts are really, really good. Yeah. Uh, but nothing bad happens. That's right. And it turns out Finn pulled one over on himself even. <laughs> he turns out that in the, in the heat of planning, I guess, he mixed up which of the bags had the poison tarts and which of the bags weren't. And so it turns out Cinnamon Bun had the real tarts all along, and Finn and Jake had been carrying the poison tarts, which means that every single person who stole one from them along the, along the road is now paralyzed, including, yeah. the, including the butterfly. Yeah, man, that shot of the butterfly just like, just sort of shooting through the air, <laughs> it completely frozen. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then Finn admits to PB that he was, uh, he overthought things a little bit and, and got, got everyone, got a little bit over his head and almost ruined the whole festival. Yeah, after Finn has jumped across the room and dramatically swatted a tart from PB's hand, he kind of owes her an explanation and he's kind of equivocating, oh, well, um, and then he just goes, okay, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> so... PB is pretty level-headed and pretty forgiving about the whole thing because she reveals she had deceived Finn a little bit because turns out there was never any threat of beheading if the tarts didn't arrive in time. That was just a little bit extra stakes that PB put on the whole thing because she was afraid that if she didn't, Finn and Jake might have just eaten the tarts along the way. Exactly. So, so put a little fear of God into him with that. So again, a little bit of an allusion to... PB realizing that Finn and Jake are can only be trusted so far as they and can be. also PB being manipulative. And true, that's true. But you know, it's it's sort of two wrongs. They may not make a right, but they at least cancel out. So PB is able to forgive Finn, and and they hug. And looks like the episode is about to draw to a close when who should burst through the door but the tart, the royal tart toter. The old tart toter. <laughs> who arrives declaring that he has brought the tarts, but what he has really brought are like a couple rabid wild squirrels. That yeah, he's it's managed, like a squirrel and a pigeon. That he's managed to sort of uh, track down and, and trap. Yeah, and you know, Adventure Time has been weird so far, but I feel like Adventure Time really brought the weird heart in this episode. <laughs> yeah, the royal tart toter is is one of the weirder characters we've seen. He's completely bonkers. There's like bites taken out of him. Yep. And he launches into this bizarre monologue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as as we see him sort of float back off into space and he's re reciting this bizarre monologue and then we just cut back very quickly to Finn who goes, jeesh, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. So in this episode... I thought it was a cute quest. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, a few funny gags. And, you know, I think what we learned about Finn and Jake, or at least Finn, is you have to start wondering, like, can, can, Finn, can Finn be happy without questing? Like, is he, is, is he, is it a, uh, is it almost a disease level? Or 
some sort of I mean I know that we know we know that Finn is overzealous but is it a, is it to the point where he can't he can't truly be happy unless he makes things difficult for himself which could be uh pretty detrimental throughout the course of his life yeah it's like folks who exercise a lot can get addicted to endorphins maybe Finn is sort of in addicted to a uh, combination of endorphins and cortisol that comes from stress and so he's just got to find dangerous situations to put himself into yeah well let's hope not let's hope he can uh over let's hope that he can sort of extricate himself from the addiction at some point but for the moment we should probably press on to uh the second episode of our of our podcast well, I want to uh, I want to bring up one other thing, oh, which okay. is that the tarts are just drugs, right? Like when PB eats that thing and she's drooling and her eyes are all huge and she's locked up in the flavor, like it's pretty clear to me that it's some manner of drug. I I honestly thought that it looked quite a bit like heroin, uh, and then the fact that they have a back rubbing ceremony after they eat the tarts just seems like we've got kind of a burning man situation on our hands to me. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it. It is definitely burning man. No, you're right. It's certainly burning man. Um, the back rub festival is, is burning man. Yep. Hey man. Oh man. It's going to be great. We're going to drop tea and then we're going to rub each other's backs, man. Yep. <laughs> drop tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair. Tarts is right, so, a drug. Okay. Tarts are drugs. Season two, episode ten is called To Cut a Woman's Hair. Yeah, this one is uh I like the main character, the main antagonist of this one a lot. This is an episode where Jake and Finn are in the woods doing some good. Jake's uh or sorry, Finn is feeding some baby birds straight out of his mouth because the mama bird's beak is is injured. Um, and they're having a little bit of a discussion, I think, about Jake kind of telling him about how he's not, just telling Finn how he's not great at talking to women, which is certainly true. Finn has proven himself to not be great around the princesses that he's met. But in the midst of that kind of conversation, after helping out the baby birds, they stumble upon a tree witch, or a forest witch, who is disguised as a bush. And Which this, is one of her powers. It's one of her powers that she demonstrates. And she's pretty nonchalant about it, which I, I really like the, how nonchalant this, the, the forest witch is the whole time. And uh, she's, yeah, I love how she describes, like, I'm a, I'm a forest witch. I can, you know, turn into trees or bushes or whatever. And then just sort of, like, sort of turns into a tree and then is like, Rip, you know, just <laughs> like his, her, her hands kind of turn into branches and then just pop back to being hands. And she's just kind of like, whatever. Yep. Um, but she's she's hideous in a in a classical kind of witch sense. Uh, she's made out of bark essentially, and has woody hands and crazy hair. And and the thing that she's most self conscious about, she reveals, is that she's got a balding problem. And, yeah. And that becomes the source of the uh, the adventure for this episode. Yeah. So she um, she's. Finn and Jake both agree that she's ugly, but she is convinced that if she just gets some princess hair to cover up her bald spot, then she will be beautiful. Right. Uh, and and when she finds out that Finn and Jake are heroes, she wants to enlist them 
to assist her in getting some princess hair. Yep. And so Finn and Jake kind of have a powwow about <laughs> whether they should help her out. And I think Finn is sort of open to the idea, but Jake says, nah, man, she's evil. Like, just look at her. Look at... I think he even says, you know, if she, if she weren't evil, she wouldn't be so ugly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Equating evil with ugly, a classic cartoon trope. Yeah, well, honestly, and and this brought up a thing for me. Um, it it's true in cartoons, and it's true throughout cinema and literature. Really, you know, Darth Vader is disfigured. Um, you know, so many villains are. You know, Two Face is disfigured. So many villains are disfigured. It reminded me of a great blog post that I read that I have to plug here because it's just wonderful. Uh, it's by a woman named Arielle Henley. I hope I'm saying her name right. It's on. Uh, Vice's tonic blog, and it's about um, the movie, the forthcoming movie Wonder with Julia Roberts, okay. which uh, tells the story of a child with Cruzon syndrome, which is a craniofacial condition that disfigures your face. Mm. And uh, it's a really good essay by a person with Cruzon syndrome about the fact that they did not use an actor with Cruzon syndrome to play the child in the movie. And it's a really thoughtful analysis of the way that particularly Hollywood um, really gets disabled characters, does a disservice to disabled characters. Um, And so not to bring us down, but... Well, that's uh, important to talk about. I think that that's totally relevant. Yeah. You know, she even points out, I think it's in this, I think it's in this essay where she points out that even in the Lion King, the bad guy is literally named Scar. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's easy, I think, for folks without disabilities to just watch a movie and not think about that type of thing. But um, for people who are living with disabilities and are looking for representation in media, you know, to see themselves constantly portrayed as either evil or sort of you know, charity cases that the actual characters use to prove how good of a person they are is extremely dehumanizing and frustrating, and it's a legitimate problem in in media today. And so while I, I understand that it's a cartoon and, and Jake is, is right, look at her, she's so ugly, she must be evil, it did kind of remind me of that, and I couldn't let it go unaddressed. Well, and it's a joke, I think, in this episode. Yes. Kind of to draw attention to, like, well, that's a ridiculous... Like, it's a ridiculous thing for Jake to say. So I think think the show's aware that that's absurd for Jake to have that point of view. Finn does get into, later on, being evil on the inside, or being ugly on the inside and the outside. Correct. But to get back to the episode, Finn and Jake are debating... You're right. Finn is pretty much open. Finn's usually open to any any opportunity to become a hero. He is he's got a low bar for what what he will accept as as sort of like a quest. Where yeah. Jake Jake is generally a little more guarded. This is a quest. I have no further questions. Indeed. So Finn is Finn's on board. Jake needs some convincing, but in the end, uh, they decide to come back and just ask. They want to check first. What are you going to do with the hair if you get it? Which, again, I love this character. The witch is like, I'm going to put it on my head. Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's going to make me pretty. And then I think Finn says... Well, they actually, I think, decide not to oh, take you're right. the quest. They, they actually decide to come away. They try to like kind of talk their way out of it. 
Right. And, and and one of them says, well, we only help people. We only do things when someone is in danger. But before and, uh, that, before that, Jake is the one who tries to talk his way out of it with his smooth talking. And I love a uh, visual gag where he walks up and then out of nowhere, like, lays down in front of her like he's yeah on, like, and like, like a very 1970s like he's on a bearskin rug in front yeah. of a fireplace <laughs> kind of look you and, mind if i take a load off yeah and really tries to he tries to seduce her into uh he basically he basically tries to seduce her so that then they can get out of this he, yeah he's he's he using tries, flattery and he's he says oh girl you know you're so pretty you don't you're so pretty. You don't need a. You don't need any hair. You're pretty just the way you are. And yeah. but his fatal mistake really is that he says, "If I didn't have a GF, I'd be on you like butter on toast." Which again is another. I think you're right. Like this is a. That's a pretty adult thought there. Like the idea of cheating on somebody or you know like having a girlfriend and then cheating on that girlfriend is. Uh, that's some adult themes right there. Yeah, and the witch obliges with some with a, a an adult ass reaction to <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I don't mind if you've got a GF. <laughs> yeah, she lays down, puts her face real close to to Jake. I don't I don't care if you have a GF. Yeah, oh, and at man. that point, okay, the the plan has backfired. Right, and and I guess that's when they announce that they can only help someone when someone's in danger, and the the witch is only too happy to oblige. Oh, she's yeah, again. Very very natural. Oh, you need someone to be in danger? No problem. Which then she uses her magic powers to grab Jake and and then she sits on him. And and the threat is that if Finn doesn't go get some princess hair for her, Jake will be forever lost in her bottomless bottom. That's right. Which uh, Jake starts getting sucked further and further underneath the witch. Some sort of black hole situation happening under there. And Jake is getting more and more desperate for Finn to just go ahead and get some doggone princess hair. Right, but the but this forces Finn into uh, one of his fears, directly into one of his fears, which is talking to girls. Yeah, and he has to do it in a... You know, he has to be sort of clever about it because the witch also puts the condition on the quest that he's not allowed to tell anyone why he needs princess hair because she doesn't want anyone to know that she has a balding problem. Yeah. Oh man, like because that's the cl- that's one of those classic like witch catches or like clauses in the in the deal. Like oh you, it's like uh, it's like Beauty and the Beast. Like you've got to get someone to fall in love with you naturally. You can't tell them that right. will, you can't tell them that it will save you because then that's not true love. That kind yeah, of deal. Like, it would be super easy for Finn to walk up to PB and be like, hey. I need some of your hair. There's a witch who's going to suck Jake into her bottomless bottom if she doesn't get some princess hair. Can I please have some? But right. that's taken off the table, so Finn has to use other methods. Right. So Finn goes off on a frantic search for the nearest princess, and the first princess he finds, who we've never seen before, but I hope we see again, is Princess Muscles. Yeah, Muscle Princess. I think that Muscle Princess was... Uh, I think that she was trying to get with the Nice King for a minute. Oh, okay. But she hasn't... I don't. She hasn't had any lines. But yeah, Finn runs up to her door, which she answers by pulling it off of its hinges. <laughs> yep. Basically like a Andre the Giant kind of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, female Andre the Giant. And uh, with, the, with the voice to match, like the muscle-bound voice, like... Oh, like like her throat's so muscly, it's like altered how she sounds, and right. uh, <laughs> she assumes that Finn is there to woo her and to date her, and is is there to declare his love. Yeah. So she says, "What are you doing here?" 
or why are you here? And, and Finn goes, well, you're the first princess I could find and I need a lock of your hair. And Muscle Princess decides to ignore the first part, you're the first princess I could find, and focus solely on the second part that he wants a lock of her hair, which she interprets to mean that Finn has it for her. Right. Then Finn is facing a fear of having to speak to a girl and and talk romantically, think, talking, thinking about romantic thoughts. Not that he's into Muscle Princess, but like even the topic of dating a princess just throws him into a flummox. Yeah, he, he has no idea what to do. He has no idea what to do. He ends up basically offending the Muscle Princess, who says, come back when you're willing to when you're willing to really express your true love, essentially. Yeah. Uh, come back when you're willing to talk about your f- true feelings. Puts her door back on the hinge and sh- yeah. slams it in front of him. Yeah, so he's 0 for 1 in terms yeah. of getting hair from princesses. Yeah. Where's he head next? <laughs> next next he heads... Is this, when he, is this LSP? Yeah, man. He's just walking through he's the walking, woods at night. Yeah, walking through the woods at night. Getting freaked out that it's, he's running out of time for Jake. When he comes across... Uh, a bit of a, a, a bit of a uh, sad-looking campfire, camp situation, where LSP is sleeping out in the woods with sort of a shopping cart and a bunch of random belongings and, and a fire. And he kind of thinks to himself, whoa, does, does Luffy Space Princess live in the woods now? Like, <laughs> and that's... as he approaches, it's clear that she's been there for quite some time, because yeah. as he approaches, she says... Get away from my camp, I'll cut you. <laughs> yeah. So something has befallen LSP that she's Yeah, now, she says, I, I'm never going home. She's out living in the woods. All that teenage angst appears to have either caused her to run away or gotten her kicked out of her home. So, yeah. so <laughs> Lumpy Space Princess is now a hobo herself a living vagrant, in the woods. Yeah. And he... So, but, you know, Finn... Decides to check it out. He's not sure if Lumpy Space Princess actually has hair, given that she's made of lumps and is essentially like a cloud. Yeah, fair question. But upon very close inspection, we find out that it, she does have very, very fine hairs growing on her. So in her sleep, Jake uh, Finn tries to do a little uh, sleight of hand scissoring on, <laughs> on Lumpy Space Princess to cut some away. But she quickly wakes up. And is is very confused and is wondering what Finn is doing there, cutting away her lumps. But then she decides that she has figured out what's going on. And just like Muscle Princess decided that I want your hair means I'm in love with you, LSP decides, I knew you liked me, Finn. And in true LSP fashion, doesn't just try to maybe have a chat with Finn but demands that if he's going to get with these lumps, then he's got to put a ring on it. <laughs> put a ring on it. All of the princesses, I mean, this is the second time we've seen all of the princesses, or at least the two in this episode and the, two, and the bunch in the other episode. They are willing to look past a lot of stuff just to have a boyfriend. Yeah, there there does not appear to be a lot of suitable long-term relationship material males in Ooh. Yeah. But we have Lumpy Prince Press demands demands marriage from Finn and Finn again freaks out. Utterly and, panics. And runs away. And 
LSP is chasing after him, demanding that he embrace his feelings. Yeah. I love the scene. Uh, LSP living in her hobo camp was fantastic. Oh, uh, man. LSP just, she delivers every time she comes on screen. But Finn's still got his problem. He's still got to find a princess. So he wanders into a graveyard at night, figuring, oh, there's got to be a princess in here who will just let me cut her hair. I can't even remember what his reasoning is, but why a graveyard? I don't even know. But he finds a graveyard and finds a grave of a princess. Princess Beautiful? Is that the name? Yeah. Princess Beautiful. Here lies Princess Beautiful. Well, that sounds just perfect. I'll just dig her up and cut up some of her hair. Finn decides to go a little grave robin. Which is macabre, quite frankly. And frankly, it is. Digs down, finds the coffin, opens it up, and there is Princess Beautiful. She's a skeleton. She is alive. She's a sentient skeleton who says, hey, Finn, which is unexpected. And then, and that, but that freaks Finn out. And she climbs out of, the, of her grave and says, thanks, Finn. Thanks for Just wanders off. Just wanders off. And then Finn pulls away the tall grass next to the rest of the headstone, which reveals further that she died of baldness. Yeah. <laughs> Not of being beautiful. Right. Died of baldness. Which, of course, precludes Finn from being able to harvest any of her hair. Yep. So another 0 for 3 now. We've struck out. And at this point, Finn frankly gives up. Yep. You know, it's... I. It's so unlike Finn to just decide that he's not going to save Jake. I think it he returns to the scene of the of the bottomless bottom and says, "You know, I'm sorry, buddy. You're just going to have to live in her butt for the rest of your life. Yep. There's nothing I can do." But Jake is panicking. Jake is not willing to accept his fate and demands that Finn go out and just get it done. Get yeah. the princess's hair. So, yeah, I think uh, yeah. the the issue here is that Finn, we've always seen him do whatever it takes to save Jake, but that's always been, you know, make himself lumpy and fly down to weekly prom coming or, you know, do some sort of physical act. But the thought of having to go talk to another princess is so unbearable to him that he's just like, well, sorry, Jake, can't do anything about it. Yeah, we found the line. We found the line for Finn. What he if he can't know. beat somebody up to get it done, or at least if it involves talking to girls, then it's just over. But you're right. Uh, Jake is rather insistent that he not be forced to spend the rest of his life in her bottomless butt. And so his suggestion to Finn is to woo a princess to the point where she will be willing to give him a lock of her hair. Right. And so he goes to... Perhaps the biggest, I mean, it it surprised me who he went to because this would seem to be the biggest challenge of them all out of any princess that Finn could have decided to face his fear with. Princess Bubblegum is top of the list. Yeah, but I also think that she's top of the list of the one that he'd like to be successful with. Yeah, that's true. So he heads up to Princess Bubblegum's house and in a very hurriedly fashion explains he would like to go out on, he would like to take her to dinner. Yeah. This, this goes back to uh, the, the witch when she's talking to Jake as he's laying it on thick says, how would you woo me? And Jake says, 
spaghetti dinner. (laughs) And so Finn decides that spaghetti dinner is how you woo a woman. And of course, Finn does everything with the amp turned up to 11. So he's dragging PB along to the spaghetti dinner, screaming the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, it's a spaghetti dinner being cooked in a giant cauldron in the middle of the woods. And PB asks, where are we going to sit? And in a frenzied rage, he Finn chops down an entire sequoia tree, essentially, right. <laughs> and cuts off a piece of it to make a table and chairs out of it, basically. Throws a blanket over it, but then has a lot prepared. He's got one of those little candles in the glass that you would find at an Italian restaurant. He's got the, the checkered tablecloth. He even has a little friend, a little beetle who plays the violin that he pays a buck to make it. Gives him a buck and says, <laughs> play something romantic. <laughs> yeah, just just ready for it. The, the Beatles there. And then, and then uh, he grabs a ball of spaghetti with his hand out of, <laughs> out of the cauldron, <laughs> brings it over and said, here's some spaghetti. Eat it. It's hot. You got to shove it in your mouth. Yeah. And uh, so they're eating spaghetti. PB says, oh, I like spaghetti. And then... Finn jumps, goes straight for the point and says, I like you. To which PB says, I like you too. Mm-hmm. And that has an effect on Finn for sure. And then, But then he quickly has to say, I want some of your hair. And PB's like, oh, sure, you can have some of my hair. Yeah, she willingly gives it up. You know, I, I thought that... Finn's trying to wine and dine PB in the best way he knows how, which appears to be turning what he has seen in maybe in movies or something up to 11. Yeah, it's his Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, but, you know, PB goes along and she says, yeah, I like you too, and she gives him a lock of her hair. And I think that, I don't know what Finn really thinks has happened, but to me it seemed like PB was assuming an affectionate older sister role. Yeah... Like when she said "I like you too," it, oh, yeah. it, it, was it did not friend. in any way mean it was a yeah, friend zone. Like, I yeah. like you too for sure. Yes, I like you as a friend. But Finn didn't hear it that way. I don't think. Yeah, it doesn't really matter because he just runs away anyway as soon as he gets the hair. Yeah, he he blasts. He like he runs away so fast that he like knocks the spaghetti off the table. Yeah, and. Races on the races back to the witch, hands her real genuine princess hair to the witch, who then holds it and just says, "What? What are you talking about? This is bubblegum, because <laughs> Princess Bubblegum's hair is made out of bubblegum." And so this is not gonna do it. Yep. And so she is said, "Well, I guess your friend's just gonna have to live inside my butt now." And <laughs> Jake is despondent as he gets sucked clear underneath the witch but at this moment Finn has essentially had enough he's at his wits end he's had his fears and his stress level his fears tested and his stress levels are at max and he finally just kind of snaps and says you know what I he's going to talk to the witch he's going to tell her like it is yep and Jake is not on board with the plan because he's afraid that if we if Finn angers the witch, it will be bad news for Jake. Right, because Finn's whole plan is just to let her know, listen, lady, 
You're so ugly. ugly. No yeah. amount of princess hair is ever going to make you beautiful. You're ugly on the inside and on the outside. Right. And so even if I give you princess hair, you're still going to be ugly. That seems to be his plan to get her to give up on the the idea of getting princess hair, but it, it doesn't uh, convince her. Right. Uh, but then Finn has a backup plan. Yeah. And says, well, hey, does it have to be princess hair? And she said, no, it just has to be beautiful hair. Oh, and, and you know, the way that she got him was she kind of looks off into the distance and says, well, I I know I'm ugly and I know I'm evil, but I thought if if I could just get some beautiful hair, I could learn how to love. And that, I think, is what makes Finn say, all right, let's see if we can explore alternatives. Does it have to be princess hair? To which she replies, no. And then we get a very dramatic reveal. Oh, man. Finn takes off his cowl, his hood, whatever you'd call that, to reveal that he has Rapunzel-length golden sparkling hair. It's beautiful. Legitimately beautiful. Yep. Just cascading locks of hair it's amazing down and because he's finn he has no evident attachment to it right and in an instant the witch he he offers the witch his hair and the witch takes it and then finn is bald and the witch is wearing all of finn's hair and she is uh she has been placated she's been she's been satisfied and then she realized, or she reveals that she has sort of double-crossed Finn by saying, well, I'm off to go do evil with my new hair. <laughs> right. Uh, but then she is, uh, she is foiled, I suppose, temporarily. Um, but I suppose in a bit of, of, of just desserts, she trips. She trips on the long hair that she now has and falls and breaks, breaks a branch. Breaks a branch, Bre- yeah. Breaks an arm <laughs> or something. Finn puts his hood back on his now bald head and sort of shakes his head knowingly at the witch and Finn and Jake have a good laugh at her expense. Yep, and this and we have the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh I like the witch a lot like I already said. Like just there's I think even a point where she's just sitting on Jake and like just daydreaming talking about like talking yeah. about her cats or something like that. Yeah, my my cat had kittens. I think I'm going to name one. I can't remember what she says the name is. Yeah, but, but it's just like uh, just random musings like the whole yes. time the witch there's she's never like extremely evil she's just like Meh, whatever i just yeah. loved it i loved it so it's it it seems to me that this witch was in many ways a female ice king uh yeah like un- un- unsure of how to express their feelings selfish yeah okay Long yeah. nose and the way that she sort of, uh, you know, yeah, manipulates Finn sure. and Jake into trying to get what she wants. I think that she is more evil than Ice King really ends up being. But uh, she she really struck me as as the female version of, of Ice King. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and 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 like like with most Ice King episodes, it forces Finn or it it seems to be a. Uh, storyline around the wrong way to go about love yes 
Exactly. Uh, instead of Ice King stealing princesses, she forces Finn to try and talk to them under false pretenses, and neither one of those methods works at all. Yeah. So I think we learned more about Finn today, a, a deepening of how just how deep his fear of talking to girls goes, which is not surprising for a boy of his age. Right. You know, he probably doesn't have Tommy to wear and and uh, give him that sort of self-confidence oh, that comes with smelling good. Yes. Incredible. That incredible fragrance. <laughs> uh, so, uh, nor does he have a Coles to buy the knockoff versions. So, yeah, I, I mean, the fact that we hit a point where Finn reached a fear so deep that it almost stopped him from saving Jake is profound. It's, yeah, it really huge. is. It's huge. Uh, but I really like this episode. I liked it more than the the Tart episode. I liked the Tart episode too, though. I think both of these were these these were both very absurd, very cartoony episodes, but um, but I enjoy them a lot. Yeah. So these were absurd and cartoony, but I I think that they were absurd and cartoony in a somewhat different way than previous ones have been. Like these are the first two episodes I think where the absurd humor is so bizarre and off the wall that it would be inscrutable to a child and this is these are the first two episodes i think where it feels like the adventure time that i tried to describe to you really? not so much with the character development but just with how bizarre it is you know not just weird and quirky uh you know plain blockado or whatever but like i mean the the old tart toter is so weird as to be beyond i think yeah you know, like he's un, not just un, like unapproachable yeah yeah he's not just like a kooky character yeah he's literally out of his mind and the stuff that he says is just bonkers right like a kid could totally laugh at cinnamon bun but yes. it would be we totally lost with what to do with the tart toter yeah, and the 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 witch as well is, well, she's, I mean she and especially her interactions with Jake, you know, she's she's a grown up and it it you know she she says I don't care if you have a GF like she's she's looking to get laid. Yeah, yeah, the um, I agree. I think you're right. That's that these both are well. I I don't your main point that these are the first two episodes that maybe get us into a different kind of show that you have have been describing and know more than I do about is interesting for me to hear because I now this does give me at least now I have a reference point now I have a sense of like okay um there's more of this stuff to come yeah it's it's honestly hard to put into words it's more of a feeling like watching these two episodes that they they just really felt like adventure time just because they were so doggone weird all right well so what what do you say uh these these movie along the spectrum sure yeah um i'll have to wait and see if what you you know what you say is true that like this is the the dawning of a new age of, of Adventure Time in terms of style. Yeah, and I, uh, I got to tell you, um, after I thought that to myself, like, boy, this feels like Adventure Time, I, I, I snuck ahead and looked at some of the upcoming episodes, and I'm super excited. Ooh, all right. Well, then, I am too, for sure. Uh, 
I hope you all are too. Thanks for listening to the podcast at this point. Thanks for everyone who's taken the time to listen to an episode or two. We really appreciate it. Thanks for yeah, doing Yeah, in fact, we have a, a shout out to two particular listeners oh, who right. responded to our postcard offer. Uh, two of you were listening closely enough to know that if you tweeted at us, we would send you a postcard. So very, very heartfelt thanks to Laura Sanner at Checks926 on Twitter. Laura, uh, probably by the time this goes up, you'll have your postcard. If you don't, it's on its way. And then uh, Thomas O'Donnell, at Prius Patrol Tom. Thomas happens to be my very tall and cool cousin. And uh, Tommy, as you were known when you were a little boy, your postcard's on the way as well. So uh, keep tweeting at us. Show up in our Facebook group. Let's fight with each other about whether I'm wrong about various parts of Adventure Time. Uh, we're at Adventure Time on Twitter. We've got a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Our, our Facebook group is called the Treehouse Treasure Room. I'm kind of proud of that. Jesus, more alliteration, but I'm still proud of it. Um, <laughs> we also, of course, owe very sincere thanks to Will Yates for allowing us to use our intro and outro music. The song's called Date Night, and it's from his EP, I Know the Feeling. You can get it on most streaming services, or you can go to willyates.bandcamp.com and buy I Know the Feeling or his newer EP that he just put out. Go ahead and pick up both of them. Will is really good, and as always, thank you very much, Will. Yep, thanks, Will. Thank you to everybody who's listening. Keep hollering at us on the social media. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you're, whatever it's called these days. Give us a review and a rating. We would very much appreciate that. Um, we, uh, we had a pretty good week in terms of, of, of listeners, so we want to keep that going. We want more people to hear us talking to each other, yep. uh, even though, quite frankly, I would do this if no one was listening, but... Having you all listen makes it even more enjoyable, and having you all tell us that you're listening makes that even enjoyable more. So uh, we, we really appreciate it, and we'll be back next week with two more adventures of, adv- two more episodes, I should say, of Adventure Time. But until then, of course, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. This cosmic dance, bursting decadence and withheld permissions twists all our arms collectively. But if sweetness can win, and it can, then I'll still be here tomorrow to high-five you yesterday, my friend. Peace. Peace.